You're listening to Jonathan Beckett's podcast. Each week I talk to bloggers and writers all over the world about their journey, how they got started, where they write, how they write, and where you can find them. The podcast lives at anchor.fm slash John Beckett, and you can also find it at Spotify, Apple, Google, TuneIn, and Facebook. Just search for Jonathan Beckett's podcast. This evening, we are talking to Natalie, a blogger I've been following for, oh, it seems like forever, since certainly since the beginning of Tumblr, which is way back in the mid to late 2000s. Hello, Natalie. Hello, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Um, I'm just looking. I think you're in Louisiana, is that correct? Yes, I am. So have you always lived there? Uh, yeah, my I've grown up here. I live about 30 or 40 minutes away from where I was raised, a slightly larger city now. Oh my god! But yeah, I've always been here. So, um, what's it like in Louisiana? I guess I, all I know is kind of the touristy stuff that everybody posts about New Orleans. Well, New Orleans is my favorite city. I'm hoping to eventually get there. See, there's um, no, lesson number one. It's New Orleans, right? Which actually, um, I think is really interesting because I travel a lot, and so it's kind of cool that I'm one of the few states. When I travel to other countries, people actually know what the state is because they know New Orleans. I'm like, oh, that's kind of fun. (laughs) (laughs) It must be Uh, annoying though that all they know about it is lots of bars and getting drunk on the on the you know on the waterfront there, which is not inaccurate, honestly. (laughs) Um, Especially um, because I'm in South Louisiana, which is more of the New Orleans culture. Uh, We always joke North Louisiana is basically Arkansas. They're not really Louisiana. Yeah. They're much more like stricter Bible Belt Christians. And right. South Louisiana is more like Catholic, which weirdly doesn't have as strict rules. This is interesting <laughs> to me because whenever I think about New Orleans or that part of the world, I always think of it being like kind of the south of America and being a lot of kind of Baptist churches and places like that. Uh, yeah, except that New Orleans has more of a... Um, New Orleans. South Louisiana has more of a French culture. Okay. Um, North Louisiana and most of the rest of the South is more uh, English Puritan influenced okay. culture. So it's all our fault. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, but like South Louisiana is kind of its own special version of the South with a lot of the same problems, but <laughs> culturally it's different. So, as I said at the start, you write a Tumblr blog. So, winding the clock right the way back, what was the first computer that you had experience of? Oh, man. Um, I think our first computer, and I was nine or ten maybe, and my family got a People PC. A People PC? (laughs) Wow, that's the first time somebody's mentioned something that I didn't know what on earth it was. (laughs) It was probably just a computer. I just remember People PC because it had like the little logo. The PC looked like a little face. It okay. was probably something more technical. Like I said, I just it was like 10. <laughs> so um, and we got it for Christmas. And I, I have a vivid memory because we have a like family video of it on an old video recorder. Unwrapping the um, giant box. <laughs> Right. Well, not even. I think they had set it up. And so all of I'm the oldest. So all my younger siblings were excited about their presence. And I was just losing my mind over the computer. That's what I like. You can hear me in the background. Going, it has solitaire. It has Minesweeper. <laughs> oh, my word. That must have been Windows 3 then. 
Again, I was 10. I don't know. It was Windows. <laughs> it was definitely Windows. Yeah. Um, I just don't know which one. Oh, see, I'm ancient enough to remember Windows 3 arriving. <laughs> right. No. I just, it was Windows. Um, and even though we lived, like, way out in the country at the time, for some reason, we always had better internet than any of my other friends oh but you, that would have been dial-up back then though it, it was dial-up but we were one of the first one of my friends to get um dsl yeah oh my word uh, remember that upgrade yeah i i guess i did new orleans get a huge injection of money for infrastructure because there was va- there's various disasters that have happened there over the years isn't there so uh, yes but i'm about three hours out of new orleans yeah but i'm just wondering if a lot of infrastructure got upgraded following some of those disasters Maybe. Probably. But like I said, we were in the country. And like I had friends who lived in like the nearby town, like properly in a town. Yeah. And I still had faster internet than them, which is weird because my parents aren't particularly like tech people. They just tended to get the faster internet. (laughs) I I was the house that even when we did move into the town, I was the house that all my friends would come. I figured out LimeWire before everyone else. So I always burned all my friends' CDs. <laughs> I had, I think I had Audacity. So my friends would be like, I want this song, but they curse in it. So can you edit the curse out before you burn it so that I can play it in the car? Oh, that's my- awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I made a lot of um, uh, P- PG version mixtapes for friends or burned <laughs> CDs. So that was going to be my next question, actually, was your earliest recollections of using the internet. And obviously, ripping songs for your friends is one of them. Well, that was later. My early days of the internet was that people PC computer we had. Um, and we had, I was on ICQ first. Yeah, I remember that. I can still remember my ICQ number. I don't. <laughs> um, I think my mom's younger brother is very into computers and stuff. And so he had suggested it. I guess it was like safer or whatever. So mom was comfortable with us being on it. Oh my word. They got that wrong. <laughs> well, I don't know. I do remember I moved on to aim. Of course. Yes. He did that. Everybody went um, to aim. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My mom, my mom was actually really into Napster before they got shut down the first time. <laughs> so my mom was actually is like, was pro like burning music. She's like, well, how am I going to know if I like an artist and want to buy their CD if I can't burn their music? So she actually was burning yep. music very so, early on. So she was oatmealing a decade before the term came about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, so AIM. Um, I, I, sh- I should I probably explain that to anybody that's listening, what oatmealing <laughs> means. Um, there's a guy that draws a, a web comic called The Oatmeal. And <laughs> about five, six years ago, when Game of Thrones first started to get really big, he went on the internet to try and buy the latest season of the show and he couldn't get it anywhere. He tried every network, he tried every shop on the internet and he couldn't buy it because it had an exclusive agreement somewhere and he eventually lost his temper at trying to buy it and within five minutes was downloading the most recent (laughs) season in perfect digital format. Obviously completely illegally but in the same way that millions of other people now do it. And he called the process of downloading something before you can legally get hold of it because of artificial restrictions, oatmealing it. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, sorry. (laughs) Oh, no, it's fine. Um, I was going to say I was on, I remember getting on MySpace. I was 
probably 12 or 13. And one of my other friends had gotten on it. And I knew my parents well enough to be like, "Mm, they're probably not going to be into me being on this. So I just made an account and figured I would say sorry. And I didn't know when I got caught, (laughs) which is exactly (laughs) what happened. Oh dear. And I got to stay on it. I like to convince them, but I, I didn't ask first because I knew what the answer would be. Oh, MySpace was awesome though. It was kind of, it was the biggest thing before Facebook arrived really, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And um, I mean, I was on it at like 12 to like 14 when like your top eight friends was like a big deal. I don't know <laughs> how it was being on MySpace when you were older, but the preteen drama of like your top eight or whatever. Yeah. I'd forgotten and whose that topic you were in and where you were on it was yeah. wild. And you, there was a hole in the interface that they never closed where you could inject HTML into your homepage mm-hmm. and you could I completely change that. it. <laughs> That's how I loads of web developers got started. <laughs> oh, my word. So how much HTML did you learn through hacking MySpace? I think I could change the colors and maybe the font size. <laughs> I learned enough to sort of like with any other language I've tried to learn, I could read it. (laughs) Yep. And that was about it. (laughs) Oh, but people used to do all kinds of crazy stuff, didn't they? Have things flying around the screen and getting in the way of the mouse and all sorts. Autoplay music was the worst. (laughs) I'd forgotten that. Yes. You'd go to look at somebody's page and it would just burst into either, like you were saying, rap songs with words that you weren't allowed to be listening to. Right. <laughs> and it was kind of fine if, because like, there was a music player where you could find it, but a lot of people figured out how, or some of the themes were like, hide the music player. And that's when it was just like, what do you do? Why? <laughs> <laughs> so somewhere along the way, through this kind of MySpace and AOL jungle, Tumblr appears in the mid-2000s. Can you remember when you first saw it? I... <laughs> I don't remember how I found Tumblr. Uh, what I do know is I apparently made a post on Tumblr somewhere in like 2009, just because I remember what the post was about. So I made an account, posted a thing, and then forgot about it completely. And a year and a half later, I was like, I'm going to go make a Tumblr. And when I put it on my info, it just logged me in. And I had one single post that I had <laughs> made and forgot about. That's awesome. <laughs> So, but then I started kind of, you know, maintaining it a little bit better after that. And I kind of haven't really left or found anything that's a good fit since yeah. then. Yeah, I've been on that journey. I've I've tried just about everything. I've even built places and I always go back. It's um, either that or WordPress. Yeah, I um, I tried to do a WordPress, tried to do a Medium. I'm just terrible at maintaining anything long form that has to be like thought out or on a schedule or anything like that. I, I like Tumblr because I can just get onto it from phone or computer, throw something. It, it's, I, I just really think that, and I don't even really know if it's micro blogging because some of it's a little bit longer, but just that, that nice medium between micro and macro blogging that Tumblr is yeah. it just yeah. really suits me for think, whatever reason. I think um, WordPress in my mind, it's kind of a slippery slope that as soon as you get involved in it, it's kind of the gateway to turning yourself into a brand and, like you're saying, overthinking everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my other thing with WordPress was, I guess I never really had a good way to like find people. I never followed enough people on there to like keep me coming back to it 
in the way that I come back to Tumblr and the people I follow on Tumblr. Yeah, and I think there's a lot more brands have established themselves with WordPress accounts um, and a lot of marketing people. Well, yeah, but I was looking at it several years ago. Yeah, so. <laughs> oh, no, even even back then, I think it was starting to happen, whereas they've never dared do that with Tumblr because it's always been a bit more like the Wild West. <laughs> I don't think they can. No, I don't think they know how to. And I think part of it, maybe, I'm not sure if I'm correct in thinking this, because Tumblr was run basically by a bunch of amateurs and mm. they never really kind of polished anything, did they? No, that's what XKit was for. <laughs> yeah. And then um, as soon as they started even, or as soon as anybody mentioned censorship or anything like that, they always said no. Mm-hmm. I, I remember in right. the early it's days, they had no advertising either. Yeah. And also, have you ever noticed that Tumblr advertisements are like in just wild? Like, yes. All the other sites kind of have it spot on. They have an idea and, and Tumblr's just like, I can't even think of an example, but it's just things that's like, who even makes this? What is this? Why am I being advertised it? <laughs> it's true. I hadn't thought about that before. It's, yeah, it's a bit kind of like Super Bowl advert kind of territory, isn't it? Well, I was thinking more like, 2am infomercial territory oh yeah yeah you get the really crazy strange adverts as well yes right that's kind of more what i tend to see at least so um if i was a, a stranger in a bar how would you describe your tumblr mm-hmm. um it, it's this is a difficult question isn't it <laughs> right uh my tumblr is what i start talking to when i haven't talked to people in a little bit so it's kind of talking to an imaginary audience Yes, it's literally just whatever I'm thinking of um, that I don't want to put on Facebook and that I don't have the room for to put on Twitter. <laughs> and it goes on to Tumblr. So you just empty your head? Very much so, uh, because I'm bad at maintaining a journal. So I get on Tumblr and I just uh, kind of just really, truly write about whatever. So does that imply that you have actually tried to write a paper journal in the past? I mean, I have several i mean i've filled several journals i'm just not consistent with it in any way it's more of a i'll I'll write in bursts and i still have one i mean i'm looking at it right now at my desk i just don't open it up and fill it up every day yeah um what inspires you to post then during the day what would what would trigger you to think i need to write about this um well most of my posts are probably at night honestly maybe less so right now um just different stuff, just stuff. Uh, I'm asking really hard questions, aren't I? <laughs> no, I know, but I'm also trying to think about what's been going on on my Tumblr lately. I know over the past year, a lot of it was... Because you had a breakup, didn't you? I had a breakup about a year ago. Yeah. I don't, obviously, so I, I don't know if we should go into that here, but yeah, that seems to be a common thread that a lot of people use Tumblr as a place that they they record things that maybe they wouldn't, like you said yourself, you wouldn't share some of it elsewhere. Well, I mean, there's, yeah, Twitter's too short and also, but, but Tumblr's also the kind of the only place that's for that. Like you don't share stuff like that on Facebook and the people who do, you're, you're judging them when you see that status, you know, you are, (laughs) I mean, (laughs) if they share stuff like that on Facebook, it's a pity status. If you share it on Tumblr, it does feel more like journaling. It does. Um, Yeah. You're, you're, You're absolutely correct. Right. But then the other thing was not even so much that it was stuff I didn't want to share about the breakup. It's that um, 
I am a very extroverted person who lives alone and works from home. Yeah. And so sort of just even losing that anchor of having someone I saw more or less every day and got to talk to, I would, I ended up on Tumblr. I would say that my posting probably went way up initially just because I am also a night owl. So everyone was always asleep. And I just, like I said, it's truly just what I talk to when there's no one around to talk to. (laughs) So, I mean, um, and some of my posts are thought out. Some of my posts are about specific things. But you're, um, I was going to say you're one of the few people I follow that actually writes like proper posts that are you know many paragraphs sometimes if if that's a horrible way to put it but <laughs> very occasionally yes you know well constructed thoughts then let's put it that way okay yeah that's fair uh yeah and so a lot of times it'll be just if I'm reading something I'm really interested in that I want to sort of extrapolate on or. Um, I think I had one that I tend to reblog every year on like, uh, by visibility day. That was just sort of thoughts on that. And, um, yeah, I had a doctor who blog, but sub Tumblr for a while when Moffat was in it and, and every week was like, is this red herring or is this an actual theory? So <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of fan blogs on Tumblr, aren't there? There's a lot of fan blogs on Tumblr. Yes. Um, but I didn't put it on my main blog. I like had the decency to make a different blog for that. <laughs> Are there any other tumblers along the way that have been particularly inspirational to you? Um, I don't know about inspirational. I think I was kind of going to do it regardless. Uh, I do tend to follow um, people who post similar to what you and I post, which is, you know, just. We're so rare that. though, aren't we? <laughs> We're incredibly rare. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I feel like I follow, well, I say a lot. I follow a handful of them still who yeah, still do yeah. it. I was just um, talking to somebody recently, and they were looking back at maybe sort of 10 years ago when Tumblr was at its height, that mm-hmm. it used to be crazy busy. Yeah. And a lot of those people have gone, they've kind of drifted away for whatever reasons. Mm-hmm. Or turned into blogs that just reblog a lot. Yeah, and that annoys me. <laughs> Yeah, I almost didn't say it. I was like, this might be a whole thing. <laughs> um, but then Tumblr also added, which I love, like recently they added the notification system so you can set yes. certain blogs to get notified when they post. Yeah. So that's really nice because then I can follow kind of more re-bloggy blogs that have stuff I'm interested in. I follow like some gardening stuff or whatnot, but I can, my phone tells me when someone who posts I don't want to miss posts. So I can have like a cluttered timeline and then phone notifications for who I really want to see, which has been nice. Um, Do your family and friends know about your Tumblr? Um, My, I think everyone knows probably that I have one. Um, One of my sisters is on Tumblr intermittently. I'm not actually sure. Every now and then she'll like send me something and I'm like, wait, you've been on Tumblr lately? Um, <laughs> and then one of my other sisters had a Tumblr. Don't believe she uses it, but I think she keeps it to creep on my Tumblr, which doesn't feel fair. I was going to say, you have those awkward conversations sometimes with a friend and you become aware in the conversation that they've been reading. No, because she won't talk about it even necessarily. I thought she wasn't on it. Maybe she's just careful. <laughs> Right. Well, she doesn't post on it at all anymore, but she, cause I was like, well, I'm just going to, it to me. Yeah. Cause like, 
especially with family. I don't censor myself much on my Tumblr. Um, but there's some stuff that I maybe wouldn't talk about that I, uh, my pretty religious conservative family, I wouldn't necessarily post where they could read it. Um, yeah, I have to so be careful with that, that as well. <laughs> right. But the fact that she like kind of keeps a Tumblr that she doesn't post on, so I don't know if she's active, but she keeps it to read my stuff. Like, at least if she were active, I would be like, oh, yeah, I need to censor myself a little bit for this. Yeah. Uh, it just doesn't feel fair. <laughs> but, I mean, I don't censor myself a lot, and for the most part, I don't. I think my Twitter might be the the last social media I have that none of my family follow me on. They all know about all the ones I have. but um, I guess that leads straight on, then, with kind of – um connections through the the blog have you ever been to a meetup no we don't i don't live somewhere that would really have them have you but have you had the same experience as me then where you've seen various friends go to them and you've been mad jealous that you know if only i lived within a few hundred miles of one of them (laughs) um not particularly i don't think i have enough overlapping friends um interestingly actually one one tumblr i do follow and she still posts fairly regularly on tumblr i started following her because she was from the city i live in but she was living in los angeles at the time and i was like oh that's kind of fun so i started following her and within about a year of me following her she actually moved back so we've had dinner a few times and hung out a couple of times awesome yeah (laughs) so i have met her and then you Uh, get that really odd experience when you meet somebody when you followed each other's blogs and you discover actually you know each other better than most real friends do. (laughs) Yeah, her blog is a little, not censored, but she's not quite as open as some other blogs. Yeah. But I definitely, it didn't feel weird meeting her. Um, And then actually I was supposed to, although I don't know if it's going to happen given everything, but I was supposed to be going to England to stay with a friend in like June who I met through Twitter and also Tumblr years ago. And I was going to be going to stay with him and his wife for about a week this summer. Um, yeah, I guess with the news breaking as it is at the moment, I wouldn't bet on doing that at the moment. <laughs> right. Well, and in his case, it was more he was supposed to be off in the summer and he doesn't know how that's going to happen. No. With if schedules get disrupted now they might get bumped up forward anyway i i would have traveled it just makes my airplane airplane tickets cheaper but um but yeah so but i had i also met him one time when i was studying abroad in london he came and met me on my free day that was about eight years ago or something so i haven't really done any meetups but i have met a lot of the people i've known on the internet that's really awesome because yeah. I've had to kind of go out of my way and we I went on our meetup first one I've pr- properly been on late last year with four or five of us met up in London and that was just on the back of um, one of the friends from America was over here so we all of us that live within you know a couple of hundred miles thought okay we're actually going to get off our backsides and do something rather than you know just post about it or whatever but yeah right. it, was, it was very surreal sitting in the same room with people I've only ever known through the internet though. Yeah, it is really interesting. Um, like I said, I've been fortunate enough to do it two or three times. Uh, that's how I went to Dublin. It wasn't Tumblr. It was a friend I knew from DeviantArt, that site. Um, and I went stay with him for a week and a half in Dublin when he was living there. At, well, I mean, he was Irish, but I'm oh, not sure. Dublin's an awesome city. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what I, he was writing um, his thesis for creative writing, and I got to read it um, at the time, and it's since been published. It's a book now. I think he's written two or three books since then. We've kind of fallen out of touch, but but I got to meet him, and that was how I got to travel to Ireland. So, um, uh, Just um, on about writing, that's just reminded me, you've had a go at NaNoWriMo, haven't you? I think I've done it like four times, three or four times. Oh, my word. I knew you'd done it once. I didn't know you'd done it <laughs> That many times. No, oh my word. I think I've done it four times. So um, for anybody listening to this, I think I've mentioned it before on the podcast, but NaNoWriMo is a challenge on the internet during November to write a 50,000-word novel or write 50,000 words of a novel uh, during the month. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I've done it three times. The first time I was like a freshman or junior in school, so did not happen. Uh, the second time I was also in school and I – I won. I I wrote the 50,000 words and then literally never came back to it because <laughs> I hate revising. So did you write a no- have you written a novel each time or have you done different things? Oh no, it's always a not. What else would you do? Well, I did an autobiography last year or the year before last and I flew through it because I but I thought that was kind of cheating really. I was going to say, I mean, I don't know. Uh yeah, it's always been a uh, novel fiction type stuff i did it in 2017 and that's the novel i'm still working on i i wrote the 50,000 words but it wasn't finished so um since nanorimo it's been much slower going because i don't have a deadline which is what i work best with yeah so alongside all of the writing and blogging and everything um i've become more and more aware over the years reading your blog that you play games <laughs> yes yeah, um, not I just have, video games. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I play, I play video games and tabletop games and board games. Uh, yeah, I, I really love playing games. And you mentioned the other day when we were chatting about getting you on the podcast that you had thoughts because I was talking to Laura on an earlier episode about my time in Porsche. Yes. Um, I, I mean, I don't. It's just when she was trying to explain the plot, and I was like explaining it. And she was struck. I was just like, how, how do you not understand? <laughs> um, yeah, I had picked up my time at Porsche because um, I've been playing Stardew Valley and I kind of did everything <sighs> in Stardew Valley. I've installed that and I don't touch it because I can see that it's like a vertical slippery slope. <laughs> it's, it's very good. I mean, honestly, um, I think y'all were comparing Porsche to The Sims, but it's much closer to Stardew Valley. Yes. Um, except that instead of forming your building, yeah. But um, the relationship structures and stuff like that work much closer to Stardew Valley, much the, more analogous to yeah, it. And Stardew Valley is very similar from the little I played it to um, some of the old uh, the farming games. Oh, I've forgotten what they're called. Um, there were several of them, wasn't there? Inspired by Harvest Moon, I That's believe. That's the one, yeah. Yes, which I picked up Harvest Moon for really cheap. Okay, so to rewind a little bit, I picked up Porsche because I had been playing Stardew Valley, but I'd already beaten most of the main plot. And so I was kind of just bored. And so I literally Googled games like Stardew Valley. Yes. And um, I, I think that's Harvest what we did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I picked up Harvest Moon for really cheap. Couldn't get into it. It's just an old game. So it feels clunky. It's kind of the same reason I haven't played Witcher 1 or 2 yet. Everyone says it's really hard to get into if you played Witcher 3. Yeah. Um, but I also picked up Portia and I really, the artwork threw me off, but once I got past the artwork, I really, really enjoyed my time at Portia because it is 
not super storyline driven. Like you can play at your own pace, but it has more storyline than Stardew, which I enjoyed because I like I like resource gathering and management and stuff, but I like having some structure to it. So, um, yeah, I really enjoyed my time at Porsche. So this is going to sound like a really strange question, but did you play Skyrim or World of Warcraft? I never played World of Warcraft. Um, I've never really had a gaming computer. It's always been consoles for me, Um, which I think World of Warcraft is strictly... It's It's just PC. Um, I... Played. I mean, I started Skyrim, I think, when I was in college and university because uh, I didn't get very far. I, I had a hard time. I enjoyed games when I was in university, but I kind of didn't really play them. Um, I would just watch TV for hours and hours, and somehow that was less of a waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's with TV. It's like, well, this episode's only 20 minutes. You end up watching 20, 20-minute episodes, but with a video game, it's like harder to find a stopping point. Anyway, I never came back to Skyrim because I honestly didn't really care for Skyrim because I legitimately don't really like open world games. That's interesting. So I always tend to tend to look out for the the open world games more than the scripted ones. But yeah, open world games. I mean, and and I I need to. So like with Skyrim, it's an open world game with a story. I guess if I'm going to play an open world game, it can't have a (laughs) storyline. Yes. So Minecraft, Don't Starve is one of my favorite games to just weirdly relax. If you if you play Don't Starve, it's not a very relaxing game. It's kind of like Minecraft with Tim Burton art, but also everything's trying to kill you. Oh my word! I'm, I don't think I've ever seen it. It's fair. I it's one like I said, it's one of my favorite games. Um, and it's I, there's <coughs> there's it's pretty open world and you're literally just trying to go around and gather stuff and make a camp and not starve or freeze or overheat or (laughs) drown or get eaten by the dark or get eaten by wool. Like it's everything is literally trying to kill you. Um, So it's kind of stressful, but it's very fun. I think um, my definition of stressful with Minecraft is playing it with my daughters <laughs> because yeah. we played it in survival mode when they were oh, probably 10 or 8, 9, 10 years old, around that sort of age. And I set a server up and you kind of fall into your normal roles. And I was being the parent and trying to build us somewhere safe to live. And the kids, <laughs> kids were off exploring. And of course, the, you tell them not to go out in the dark. <laughs> Right, exactly. And, and the next thing you know, your seven-year-old is running towards the house with zombies firing arrows at her. <laughs> yeah, um, or hammering on the window saying, let me in, let me in. Oh, no. Yeah, my, um, I have a, a little sister. My youngest sister is 11. Um, and when she was nine or 10, she, Don't Starve also has a multiplayer mode. And she always wanted to play with us. And it definitely added to it because one on the multiplayer mode, cause it's online, you can't pause it. Yeah. yeah. So, and then she was just so bad at staying alive and it's so <laughs> hard to stay alive when it's just you. And then I'm keeping her alive. Yeah. Welcome it, to being a parent. <laughs> and poor baby. She wanted to play so bad and she wanted to prove she was good at it. Um, she's better now cause she's like 11, but when she was really little and thankfully she, 
and um, a, sis- a slightly older sister who also still lived at home would play with her. So there, she had someone in the room guiding her, and then she had someone over headphones guiding her. So it wasn't terrible, but <laughs> it was not good. <clears throat> so you mentioned you play tabletop games as well. Yeah. Um, I have had a weekly D&D session going for about six or seven years now so how this is a big question for me because i would dearly love to get involved in tabletop gaming and i've looked at it and i've we've actually got a couple of tabletop games but we need to find people who are experienced players to teach us how to play properly it's kind of a chicken and egg situation right y'all have um you have some warhammer huh yeah scene yeah i haven't played warhammer um i've just done oh we've got D as well right um, but I haven't got all the guidebooks, and and I don't know how to start the game off. If that makes sense, it's kind of a yeah, it's kind of trying trying to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps in a way. Right. I got lucky. I started. Um, I think I was still in university, maybe about to graduate, um, and I had a, several friends who wanted to learn how to play, and I was like, well, I don't know, man. I guess we'll figure it out. I had my uncle's old, old, old like. Dungeons and Dragons third edition, which apparently is terrible and clunky. And he had given me a bunch of his old books and I was like, I'm just going to sit here and read them and I guess I'll figure it out. And I don't know, we'll, we'll put it together. And around the time that I had this group of friends, I had another friend mention how he knew how to play and he just didn't have a group and he kind of wanted to run a game. And I was like, Hey buddy, (laughs) I got like five nerds who want to learn how to play. If you will teach us how to play. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, I was like, we'll play at my house. I don't, I'll feed y'all or what, whatever. Just come and teach us how to play D anD. d I think we actually ended up playing Pathfinder because that was sort of the smoothest rule set at the time. Um, yeah. Even though D anD. d They recently come out with Fifth Edition, which is I played a few Fifth Edition sessions, and I like that one a lot too. Yeah, I think we've got the Fifth Edition beginner set. Mm-hmm. But it became yeah. became obvious very quickly we needed the full book. So if we did want to clear up how something works, we would be able to go straight to it. Um, the I assume there's one. There's a player's book. There's a dungeon master book, and there's a monster book. I think. Right. Well, what I was going to say was, um, I kind of want to just Google it while we're sitting here talking. <laughs> there is a D twenty site that compiles all the rules. Okay. So, um, so, like, we play Pathfinder in my main session right now. So it's D20 PFSRD, which is Pathfinder SRD. So I assume to get to the the Dungeons & Dragons one, it would be something. You could, you could just Google D20 5th edition, and it would take you. And it's a compendium of all the rules, and it links through a lot. So it helps to have the book, but it clarifies rules and stuff like that. Um, and it's got basically... <coughs> Or fifth edition, or yeah. Pathfinder, whatever you're playing. I guess we should kind of describe this for anybody listening that if you've played a normal kind of board game on a table, because I guess a lot of people view Dungeons and Dragons as being this kind of impenetrable nerd geek zone that you know, unless you're you have some higher understanding of board games or something, you're never going to get anywhere near it. And my first experiences have been nothing like that. It's been in a way the easiest game to start playing. Yeah, I mean, because, well, I think it's easy to play. It's maybe a little bit harder to run. Yeah, I mean, we we just sat around the dinner table and we had 
if you have no resources, like you don't need a map, you don't need any of the stuff, you can do this thing called, I think they typically call it the theater of the mind, where you <laughs> yeah. essentially the person running the game just reads out or invents what is happening and everybody listens. But it's a story you can take part in. Right. Yeah. It's it's a little bit like choose your own adventure. Yeah. And the, the person running the game can change the adventure. If it's going lopsided, they can tilt the table to help somebody who maybe needs help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. I tried running a game. Um, I think I made the mistake of running a game with people who didn't know how to play, um, <laughs> who were also my younger siblings. So there was like a whole. Oh, and that's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, they kept fighting with me. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's so, like I said, I've been playing, we pretty much play every Tuesday night. We have been for a few years. We're on our second campaign. The first campaign we did, my friend followed a a campaign book. Um, but the campaign we're currently doing, a different friend who's running it wrote the campaign himself. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So it has been, it's been very interesting. He actually did a really good job. So it's it's almost you have anticipation then ahead because you don't know what's coming. Well, you don't let your players read the campaign book anyway because then they, they the players aren't supposed to know what's coming regardless. Yeah, but with the internet, people are going to cheat, aren't they, and go and find it online. We didn't cheated. We played Rise of the Rulards and none of us cheated. We never went and looked because it's no fun then. Because then you can make your character to like work it out and and take on everything that comes at you. So here's an interesting one here. Um, I was talking to a friend at work who is a lifelong game player, and I was talking to him about a box set. I mentioned it to you the other day called Gloomhaven. Yes. And it's this huge, expansive tabletop game that comes. It's, it's very expensive. But he said to me, I don't know if you agree with this, he didn't like the idea of it because it's a type of game where you actually modify the resources as you go forwards. So depending on choices you make, you may actually throw some of the books away and you may modify some of the cards and actually, you know, mark them so they can't be used in a different way ever again. Well, I'm sure there's a way to work around that. I don't know. I don't mind that. I mean, I don't think I would actually do anything physical that would mess up the game, but I would find a way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's kind of what I was thinking. But, um, but it's a little bit like um, the expansion for Haunting at House on the Hill. Um, so Haunting in House on the Hill is a game that it's a, ta- it not, uh, it's not an RPG. It's a board game. Uh, and you start off in the hallway of a haunted house and each of you are different characters and the characters have different stats, but you're exploring the house and the house literally gets built around you as you're exploring. Um, so if you go through a door, you pull a tile from a randomly shuffled d- stack of tiles and that's the room that you enter. That's really clever. So you can play it again and again, and it's different every time. It's very fun, but then I, they have an expansion. God, I hope I'm talking about the right game because you're <laughs> not me. Are going to get comments on it? Uh, but then the expansion for it, there's an expansion pack that's like a whole full game, and that one actually does modify as you play because you discover different parts of the house, and and so it's more like every time you play the game, it might be new people coming into the same house that has had things affected within it. Um, so it's a little bit the same in that sense of, for the expansion, not the... <clears throat> game. 
the other game that our, um, we've all been messing around with since Christmas, it's my fault for buying it, really. Um, I bought the kids their first set of Magic the Gathering cards. I have never played that. Really? Um, <laughs> I knew people who played, and I always wanted to learn. It seems and- to be very much of, I don't know if you have this phrase in the US, uh, it's a bit of a Marmite thing where people either love it or hate it. Mm, okay. Uh, I mean, uh, we probably, yeah, uh, we don't have that phrase. I should probably Um, explain what that is then because it's such a narrowly known thing. Marmite is a you get it's a food substance you get in little little jars in the UK, and it's actually a yeast extract, and it's like a black tarry kind of consistency, but it tastes like um, how would you describe it? You don't have twiglets either, do you? Um, It's Uh, it's really really difficult to explain what it tastes like it tastes like marmite (laughs) i know what marmite is i don't think i've tried it i think my one of my sisters tricked my two-year-old niece into eating some and then she had ptsd about crackers for a few days (laughs) (laughs) i wasn't there for this i just heard about it later yeah because you get it in the jar and typically you would put it on toast so you put the butter on your toast and then you scrape a tiny amount of marmite onto the toast and it's a very very strong taste Yes. Like I said, I've never tried it, but I've definitely heard of it. Like when you said that expression, I was like, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, it's just one of those things. I guess so. Magic the Gathering is one of those games that people either have not played or they love it or they hate it. <laughs> yeah. I wa- like I said, I wanted to learn how to play, but um, I felt like everyone kind of already knew how to play. And, and there was one guy that I met early on in university who was like, I'll teach you how to play. And so we meet at the coffee shop and then he ended up just buying me coffee and talking to me the whole time. I'm like, this is, I got tricked into this coffee date, but that's fine. Whatever. So he was just hitting on you instead of actually playing the game. <laughs> I mean, we ended up being friends, but yeah, he never actually did. <laughs> and now it's like the people that do, that I know that know how to play, they have so many cards. I'm like, I don't yeah. have, I don't particularly want to invest the money into this at this point. <laughs> Yeah, I think at some point the people who invented the game realized there was a market there to just keep making more cards and making them very expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, I played Pokemon cards for the first time ever in like December. So I don't think I've ever seen those. Oh, well, I think it's, a, I mean, I don't want to say similar to Magic the Gathering, but it's similar in the sense of you have a deck and everyone it's fights. It's a trading it's card game. Yes. Well, yeah, I don't think it's yeah. even trading. You you actually, much like Magic the Gathering, you fight with whatever. Oh, sorry, deck. yes, a deck, isn't it? I'll say, yeah. Yeah, a deck game. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So have you been playing on about Pokemon? Did you play Pokemon Go on your phone? Um, for about the first two or three weeks when everyone was playing it, yes. Yep, same um, here. <laughs> right, and I really, I really liked it. But what happened here was it got hot. Because it's hot and humid and miserable down here. Yeah. Um, and then and it the, was difficult to walk around. <laughs> yeah. And the city I live in is not particularly set up for pedestrians. Mm. And then there was one, like, shopping center park area that had a ton of Pokestops. And people would go there in the evenings and just kind of walk around. And, and there like, dozens of people, like, would plan the gatherings and the it's in like a ritzier part of town. And so they got upset with all the peasants being there and they actually got Neantic to take down a bunch of the stops that were there. So now there's only like one or two. So once that went away, it kind of wasn't as fun to play anymore. So there wasn't a good place to just <coughs> walk around, but 
I will still open it up when I go to New Orleans because New Orleans has a ton of Pokestops. There's more people, so there's more Pokemon. But that was yeah. the strangest experience when it first came out because I remember walking into town and you'd see these streams of people gathering on particular street corners. <laughs> it was that being said, it was such a nice. It was 2016, I think it was 2016. Yeah, yeah. It was such a nice three or four weeks. It was just such a nice break in the middle of that insane year. The weird thing was, I went out with the kids because I was with, a couple of our kids were very young still at the time. So I went out with them and kept them company while they were walking the streets, basically. <laughs> and we were stopped by strangers so many times, and they just wanted to talk about the game. Yes, that's what it was. Such like it was. It was. August of 2016, so right before our elections, and there was no politics, there was no fighting, nobody cared what was happening in, in the campaigns. It was just everyone wanted to talk about Pokemon and get together and walk around, and it was so nice. That's quite funny thinking back now with hindsight, isn't it, that maybe they should have cared a bit more. <laughs> well, I mean... Oh, dear. Yeah, I... I don't know if that would have worked. I mean, by caring, I mean they weren't inflicting themselves to a no. constant of insanity. No. All yeah. of my my peer, well, my friend group tends to be pretty political. So yeah, <laughs> I think you can care, but I think there has been such an influx that there's some stuff you can also afford to not care about. Yes. Oh, that's so funny. Anyway. I should. I've just realised we've been talking for nearly an hour already, and this is this has been fantastic. <laughs> we started out talking about blogging, and somehow we got onto games. Oh, it was Porsche, wasn't it? Oh, oh, this is a bone of contention. You can clear up. Is it Portia or is it Porsche? I think I have said it both ways. Because I I thought it was Portia, and then I got corrected, and I think I was probably wrong. I think it is Porsche. I tend. To, I usually say Porsche, but I have no reason for that. That's just how I read it. Yeah. Um, um, but I'm one of those people who reads a lot and will be like at, at 29 people are like that's not how that word is said and I'm like I don't know man I've only ever read it in a book yep well it's like um you if you go around in England you talk to people about where you're from we're gonna say New Orleans and mm -hmm. it's only when we talk to somebody like yourself who's from there and you actually we're wrong <laughs> well and again it it's one of those things where it's a French word. So do you say it the French way? Do you say it the American way? Do you say it like you're from there, New Orleans? You know? Yeah. It's, um, it's a good one. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's not really right or wrong. It's just sort of, you can tell where people are from based on how they say it. So we should really cover off where we can find you online. So you are coffeewithcalypso.tumblr.com. Yes. Uh, do you have any other accounts anywhere, like Instagram or anything like that? Uh, I have several. <laughs> I have, and they're all kind of the same, which works it out. I'm on Twitter um, as an urban nomad. And then I'm on Instagram, which honestly is one of my favorite social medias right now. And I'm also an urban nomad on Instagram. Awesome. So, yes, I'm going to double check that, but I'm so, pretty sure it's I will put the links to the various places we can find you in the show notes. Yeah. It's been an oh, absolute oh, pleasure. <coughs> Sorry, I keep coughing. I, I'm not that <laughs> ill, honestly. I've, I've had a cold the last few days, but <laughs> I, I'm not about to end up in hospital. <laughs> Can you get COVID through the internet? Um, yeah, no, this has been super fun. I really enjoyed this. 
Oh, the, I felt like we could have carried on and on and on about the games and stuff, but you have to draw a line somewhere, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> right, you've got to keep keep the time down. Because everybody will turn around and say, you should do a games podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, yeah, I don't know. I probably could. I need, I need more board games. I just don't know where to put them. Yeah, and there's tons of really good YouTube channels already talking about board games, so... <laughs> Um, yes, but are, do they have cute white girls in them? <laughs> it's just a bunch of nerdy men, mostly. Uh-huh. Oh, that, that reminds me, actually, just before we say goodbye. The reason I found out about you knowing about board games was a wonderful podcast I started listening to about six months or a year ago <laughs> called The Adventure Zone. Yes. And I mentioned it, and you chipped in and said, I've listened to that. I've listened to all of it. <laughs> I listened to, um, going back to 2016, that was my post-election coping mechanism. Um, I just couldn't listen to any more NPR, any more how did this happen, any more here's, like, any, any, I was like, I just need something that has nothing to do with what's happening in the world. And I had seen people talking about Adventure Zone, and I started listening to it and listened through all of it. Um, yep. They weren't even done with the first the first arc yet at the time with the balance arc, but I listened to all of it embarrassingly quickly. Yeah, and there's um, it got turned into a, a graphic novel, and then there was a second season of the podcast, and then the brothers that make it it's one family that make the podcast, and they've yeah. kind of become famous in their own right now. Right, they um, so it's the Adventure Zone podcast, which they're actually on their third season of. Um, they have the graphic novels. Apparently, the um, Peacock streaming service, which I think is that channel's like online thing. Yep. Um, what is the cha- M- NBC? I was going to say it's a matter of time until an animated series appears, isn't it? There's going to be an animated series that's already been picked up. Oh my word! <laughs> yes. And then they had a TV show on CISO. They had like a the well, my brother, my brother, and me is there. Uh, yes. quote unquote advice show <laughs> it's brilliant <laughs> it's so funny that had a, a like a six episode tv series on CISO um I'm not sure where it lives now but I don't think because CISO folded just and to then, give people listening to this an idea about my brother my brother and me that's kind of their family podcast where it's just free-ranging one of the early episodes i listened to oh, i think it was last year sometime for some reason they got it in their head they would record the podcast while standing up <laughs> <laughs> and they spent the first five minutes being very proud of themselves for you know standing up while they were recording and then they spent the next 55 minutes complaining that their legs ached <laughs> I remember that episode. <laughs> oh my god, yes. Oh, it was um, awesome. Right. Well, they also have each one of them has like a podcast with their wives. <laughs> so this is Justin's podcast, which is not a comedy podcast necessarily. It's called Sawbones because his wife is a doctor, so it's all about like weird medical history. Oh my word, that sounds awesome. It's very good and it's gotten a little less history lately it's some of it's just like new age nonsense and so she's a doctor so she debunks a bunch of that kind of stuff um oh fantastic yes it's quite good griffin and his wife have one where they just talk about things that they enjoy they each pick four subjects each week and they just and it's just so cute and positive i was gonna say that sounds quite dangerous (laughs) it's called wonderful oh okay 
Uh, and so this week, um, this week, Rachel, his wife, talked about um, onomatopoeia, but yep. in different languages. So how like different languages have different words for what a pig says or for what a dog says or for knocking. So she just kind of did like a brief history on that, which was very cute. I don't remember what the other three things were, but they do that every week. And it's just very oh, that sounds awesome. low key. Yeah. I'll have to try and add all of this onto the show notes so people can go and explore and find all these things that we nerd out over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, oh. yeah, no, I love the McElroys. They are, they are so good and positive and such a good example about how comedy can be funny while also not being nasty or cynical yeah. or, you know, bigoted. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of it is very self-deprecating humor as well, isn't it? It's it's very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of it is self-deprecating, and a lot of it they've they've learned a lot. Like if you listen to their very early "My Brother, My Brother and Me" episodes, which even they say like, "Please don't listen to these," but I did. I mean, <laughs> you know that they have listened to feedback of like this word is offensive, or this is why this joke is punching down is punching yep. down and punching up. Um, and yep. so just have even followed how they've grown and responded to their fan base has been really amazing. Right. I'm going to wind this up now and I'll put all the links in the show notes. And thank you so much for coming on. Of course. Thank you for having me. Okay. <laughs> I'll speak to you again soon. Of course. Have a good night. You have been listening to Jonathan Beckett's podcast. If you liked what you've been listening to, the podcast lives at anchor.fm slash John Beckett. You can also find it at Spotify, Apple, Google, TuneIn and Facebook. Just search for Jonathan Beckett's podcast. If you would like to be on the podcast, contact information is at johnbeckett.com slash contact. Contact.